also, you know, the, uh, you know, the ongoing, you know, kind of, uh, you guys see that okay? I kind of turned it there. Um, ongoing um, study in the book of Hebrews, and I'm, I'm excited about the, the study today. It's, it's a little bit different. You know, we've been focusing on relationships, and because we've been focusing on relationships, it's often been around a central character, central individual, and the relationships around them. Today's will be a little different, uh, but as we, as, uh, as kind of we do with our tradition here with this study, where, you know, a lot of it is dysfunction, uh, unfortunately, uh, but as, you know, we wanted to share the uh, share a, the awkward family photo. Uh, so today uh, you get this one, and you say, "Well, that doesn't look maybe so bad." And that was our initial take uh, when we first got it. But if you look at Manning and in real life, he's actually crossing his eyes. You can't really see it terribly well. But we didn't realize it till we got the picture home that he's actually kind of going because <laughs> he didn't want to be there. You may remember a few, uh, at this point, a few months ago, we had the picture of Manning. It was the same day, and this was after the talk. Uh, so he was putting on the smile, but he was also uh, kind of crossing his eyes. So, again, you can't, can't see it great. I think it's awkward because they didn't have those lines perfectly lined up. I know. There's like, there's like an OCD thing going on there. Right, right, right. So, anyway. That's uh, that's uh, yeah, ours. So I like that pop collar too, Mitch. Thanks. That's oh. stylish. Thanks. Yeah. It was. See your neck. You have neck fashion. Back in the day. <laughs> you also don't have a heart on your forehead in that picture. I don't. <laughs> this is this is pre this is pre vitiligo. There you go. Good call. Tom. Good call. <laughs> All right, so we, again, look at our hypothesis that because ministry relies on relationships, we can learn lessons uh, from those relationships because none of us live to ourselves and no, none of us die to ourselves. And, and today we're going to specifically be looking at the children of Israel and what I've, I've labeled as a collective faith, a collective faith. Uh, obviously, just grab this image from the web uh, and, and part of it is, is important to show, you know, there's a ton of things you can read about scientific. I remember even seeing something on the History Channel around what they believe was a, a rational explanation for the parting of the Red Sea and this uh, strong eastward gust and could push the water back. And the irony behind that is people can't walk, uh, people can't carry kids, you can't move cattle, you can't move cart. Uh, through something, if it's strong enough wind to push the water back, sure. uh, then it's strong enough wind to, to not be able to right. to hold, you know, for you to, to fight through it. And and so it's clearly a supernatural event. The water was held back by the power of God in a in a miracle, and He dried the land so that uh, the Israelites could could walk through. But um, today, beyond this. You know, we're going to answer a long-standing question. I, I don't know if you've, you know, maybe with some of the 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 stuff with the election this this year, you've you've wondered, you know, uh, you know, who who is it that's counting the votes? Well, they they are counting the votes, you know, them or or you know, maybe you've said, you know, who's who's really running the country? Well, it's them, you know, it's those people, it's it's the they, right? We've always wondered who the they are. Today, we're going to answer that question. It's actually the children of Israel, uh, because by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. So the they that you've always wondered who the they were. It's the nation of Israel. So, um, but most people, you know, most people look past this concept as the moment of the Red Sea parting and, and 
the, the miracle that God did, and it, it is, but it, there is a component of faith associated with it, and that's why it shows up in Hebrews 11 as uh, within the hall of faith, because it, it would take faith um, to walk through that. It would take faith to walk through that. Now, other people say, well, yeah, but they were, if they stayed put, they were going to die. That's true, but that's not necessarily something I'm signing up for, right? That is an, an incredible force, and you don't know at what point that force is going to let go, and that's a lot of water, right? That's a lot of water. And so by faith, they were, were doing this, journey, this portion of the journey. I'm sure the children were crying. I'm sure there was literally a nightmare kind of chaos scenario. You have hundreds of thousands of people trying to get through this thing. I mean, I can't even imagine the 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 log, the logistical chaos that was going on during this during this process. The sheer presence of water power. I you know, Michelle likes and since it's her birthday, I'll continue to use her as an example. Michelle likes waterfalls. So if we go to a new part of the country where there is a waterfall, we try to see it. And I think that maybe I don't know if that if that started in Yellowstone if that was kind of the triggering event. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone, you can actually walk down and get really close to uh, a waterfall and the sheer amount of water going over and how far it falls and just just the power uh, behind it is pretty amazing. But a few years ago, we had the opportunity to go to Niagara, uh, which was really neat. And um, these are the areas we're going to cover today, the account, the testimony, the contrast, and the congregational focus. But this is the Horseshoe Falls of Niagara, and uh, this is the boat, I think it's called Made of the Mist, or some version thereof, Made of the Mist 3 or 4 or whatever. And we did take that out. And they, they you know, you basically they go upstream, uh, and this is the, you know, this is the Canadian side and the, the American or U.S. side. And they get you far enough and let you go out in the front of the boat to where literally you have water around you as far as you can see that's falling. And it was a, a bit of a surreal moment. I don't know if anybody else in here has done that, but it is a very powerful moment. And the best I could do to pictorially represent it, this is a made-up picture on the next uh, screen that you'll see. I actually just took the image and reversed it. This was a picture I found on the internet, and that is kind of a representation. You get far enough into the Horseshoe Falls where there is this, I don't know how far, far but it's it's really high and water is falling and you get this sense that literally water is falling all around you and it was kind of I don't know it wasn't really emotional it was just kind of it, it I don't know it does something in you because it's kind of uh, nerve-wracking or something and that's probably the bet the the best that I've ever come or the closest I've ever come to the experience of the water and the power that was being the, the 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 hand of God holding this water back, and so today as we jump into this, we're first going to look at the account, and I've I've underlined some words here on uh, on the 
on the you know screen I would encourage you to underline those on your on your page as well uh, so but and, and this is going to be important both the account and the testimony are really important so let's look at it when Pharaoh drew nigh the children of Israel lifted up and I missed even one their eyes I should have underlined it and behold the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord jump down to verse 15 and the Lord said unto Moses wherefore Christ thou unto me speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward but lift up the rod thy rod and stretch out thine hand so an individual hand over the sea and divide it and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea and verse 22 and the children of Israel went in the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left but the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were unto them a wall unto them on the right hand and the left it's kind of a recounting in 25 verse uh, from verse 22 the I, I, I'm not an English major but the the subject here is of, of the children of Israel and and that like the the way they're described is a is is a uh, is a, what's the word I'm after? It's, it's more. It's not saying it's plural, right? It's plural. It's them. It's they. It's there. The children of Israel, even as a designation, means more than one. It's not just a child of Israel. It's the children of Israel. This was a very plural description of the event. So when we look at back at Hebrews eleven twenty nine, which is on your on your your page, by faith they, not the men or the individuals, but they collectively pass through the Red Sea as by dry land. And I don't think I'm just harping on a word and pulling it out and trying to make a message out of it. When I was studying this, this contrast that we'll see later, the plural versus the singular, is very important. And I believe God is using it to, to teach us. When I consider this account and the plurality that's described, and then we look at the and then we look at the testimony of the miracle. So these are other places in scripture where this is referenced, where the crossing of the Red Sea is referenced. And notice the same pattern exists. In Psalm 66, verse six, he turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. Uh, there did we rejoice in him. Psalm 78 and verse 13, he divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand as a heap. In Psalm 106 verse 9, he rebuked the sea and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. In Psalm 136 and verse 14, and made Israel, Israel as a person no longer exists. He is dead, but Israel as a nation, as a populace of people, he made them to pass through the midst of it for his mercy endureth forever. Even in Nehemiah 9:11, thou didst divide the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land and their persecutors thou threwest uh, into the deeps as in a stone in mighty waters. Even into the New Testament, when we reference back, at <clears throat> Stephen is referencing, and he says, and he brought them out. This is, this is a pattern. This is not just Mitch j jumped on the word they in Hebrews 11 uh, and verse 29. This is the description of the event. Virtually everywhere that it is described, the conversation, the tone, is around a 
congregation, a group of people experiencing this together. And that's relevant. And I will, I believe I'll be able to make uh, the argue, argument as we continue. But so what I did is you have a three arrow, or chevron by definition, three arrow section at the bottom of your page. And I left some room at the bottom because I'm going to put some words on the screen and you're going to write them. So you'll write them under uh, the, the appropriate section. We'll go to the next page on the back and you'll need to flip back to this uh, just from, a, from a, a space structural thing. But we have the Red Sea events. We have Passover on one side and the Song of Moses, and we're going to look at those and contrast those in just a second. But the Red Sea description, the words were they, them, Israel, we, and ye. Okay? Ye in the plural sense. Okay? So these are the words that describe the event around the Red Sea when talking about those who went through it. It wasn't a reference of a series of individuals. It was very much a congregational event. There's no record of any of those individuals and the children of Israel staying behind and being captured or killed by Pharaoh. All of them collectively went through the Red Sea experience together. Okay? This is going to bring us to our first relationship rule of the day. Sometimes God's deliverance is collective. Clearly, there's plenty of other examples in Scripture where God delivers an individual or a small group of people. But sometimes God's deliverance is collective. Relish the blessing provided to you and to others. Okay? The, the celebration that could be had... Like, I would be, if I, if I pick me up and drop me in this, I would be glad my wife made it. I would be glad my kids made it. I would be glad you all made it. Right? I mean, there is very much a relationship component to the, the deliverance to the Red Sea. I would, when we got to the other side and Pharaoh and his army was, was, was drowned, the waters got done, I would not just say... God, thank you for me. I would be a high five in G-Sung. I'd be hugging, you know, socially distanced, hugging Shane because COVID. Well, never mind. You know, this was back then. I would, I would, I would hug Shane. I would give a big old chest bump to Decker. Like, it, like we would be, we would be thrilled yes, yeah. that we all made it. Yes. Right? It's a very collective event. Okay. But we're going to look at the contrast here in the next time we in the in the time we have remaining the contrast between the Passover and the Song of Moses. Okay, all right. We're going to look at the contrast here because it's relevant. All right. So the Passover, and again, I've underlined some words. I would encourage you to do this at least on your notes, but you may want to consider doing this in your Bible if you do take notes in your Bible because the tone is important. It isn't just in Hebrews 29 that by faith a series of individuals passed through the Red Sea. No, they passed through the Red Sea. So when we look backward at the Passover, the event that happened in our Chevron that's still on your page, that before, it's quite the contrast. Look at Exodus 12 and verse 3, specifically starting in verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel. So he's talking to Moses. In the tenth day of the month, they shall take them every man a lamb. And, and I miss it. Obviously, it's 
messed up a couple of times here, but they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. This is a very individual thing, right? Because what's going to happen if they don't kill the lamb and they don't put the, the blood on the lentils? Their firstborn will die. So in this situation, you drop me back in the, in the Old Testament. We, put, we sacrifice the lamb for our household. We put the blood on the, on the lentil on the doorpost where Marshall doesn't die. He's our firstborn. In the morning, we're going to celebrate. Now, eventually, I'm going to check with other people and I'm going to be happy for you. But clearly, it's a different interaction. This was my responsibility as the father, in this case, for my family. You continue in verse 16, and in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. <clears throat> no manner of work shall be done in them, save which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. It's a very singular, very singular, very individual focus. In verse 21, Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. So there was a very specific charge to individuals regarding the Passover. Okay? And so what I've got down at the bottom here is deliverance from sin is very personal. Okay? So the Passover is a picture of deliverance from sin. Whereas the walking through the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea is deliverance from the world. It's a, it's a form of, of baptism that we'll actually see. It's referenced as a form of baptism because there was water on either side and above them in the cloud. So it's a leaving behind of the world. That is a very, it can be a very collective kind of, we can all benefit from that collective if we allowed the world to infiltrate into this into this body, that would be a problem, right? But individually, my salvation doesn't hinge on any one of your alls, even Michelle's. My salvation is a very personal, personal event, right? Meaning not, not personal that I don't share it, but personal in the sense that I'm accountable. So it using our chevron, going back to your to your per, to your page before. The Passover was every man, him, you. See the, the tone of the, con, the the tone of the text is different, and that's why I say I don't believe I'm pulling this out just as hey I need a I need a lesson and the first word I came across was the word they. I mean as I was studying this the the congregational aspect of the Red Sea crossing was very different than the personal responsibility of the Passover very different alright so then we're going to jump forward and we're going to talk about the song of Moses so actually I'm going to have you turn in your Bible if you're, if you're not already there we're going to take a minute here and look at this because I want you to see a little bit of the context Okay, we're going to go backward even just a little bit from Exodus 15 as soon as I get there So Exodus 15, verse 1, okay? Just, that's what's on the screen. Then sang Moses, 
and the children of Israel the song. Now they call it the song of Moses. If you were to pull up your app on your phone or pull it up on your computer and type in and Google search the song of Moses, you would probably get this passage. Maybe I think it's Psalm 78 if I remember right. There's a psalm that is basically the song of Moses. But it's very clear in the passage that both Moses and the children of Israel sang the song. Why are they singing that out? Well, we need to go back to the end of, of chapter 14, okay, and finish reading that. So we're going to start in 23. So we're going to go back a little ways. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire into the cloud, which is just amazing to me, and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels. So it wasn't that they just got caught in mud. He literally, it's like some, I don't know, supernatural Jedi trick kind of thing. I don't know what else to, to call it. The wheels fall off. so And that they drave them heavily. They can't get through even the, quote, dry ground. So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. So they're fixing to turn around and head back the other way. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came unto the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry uh, land and this we, we, we saw this already the dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and, uh, and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. How did he do it? Twofold. He held the water back, he took off the wheels, and he brought the, or I guess maybe threefold, brought the water back on them. If he had just held back the Red Sea, when the Israelites got past, the Egyptians could still follow them, right? If he hadn't acted. So it's not just the parting of the Red Sea that is the miracle. It's that at the command, the waters were let go and drowned Pharaoh. That is a significant part. Several of the verses that I've referenced on your page actually talk to the fact that Pharaoh was drowned, right? And his armies were drowned. It wasn't just the, the escape, but it was the killing of them as well, right? And when Israel, uh, in verse 31, and when Israel saw that great work, which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, not just that they were saved, but the work that was on the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. This is the moment where we're doing the high fives. This is the moment where I'm chest bumping. This is the moment where we're spiking the spiritual football, right? Then, and we all, we always put these chapter designations or, or all through scripture, and we think that, well, I'm going to read a chapter today, so I'm going to stop here and I'm going to pick it up tomorrow, right? And that's fine. But this is the next verse. Look at the first word of 15 in verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song. Like immediately after this happens, 
they kick into the song. And notice the tone of the song. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel the song of the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Do you see the difference? Everything was they, them, there, we, ye, whatever, right? And now, as soon as it's done, it's all about, thank you, God, for being my salvation. Now, that doesn't diminish the high fives and the chest bumps, okay? It doesn't diminish it. But at that point, it becomes very personal again. So the collective protection had to have a personal application, right? At that point, once the, once the veil of the congregational blessing was lifted, I needed to apply it to my life. I needed to be thankful at a personal level, okay? So using our chevron again, going back over, the Song of Moses, we see the word I, or words I and my consistently, okay? So I want to spend just a second on this, on this, um, because we see it changes from every man, him, you, in that very personal Passover. Then during the Red Sea, we're all going together, and then when we're done, we celebrate to some degree, at least to some degree, celebrate personally. Okay. So I don't think you can avoid this change especially since it's referenced in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith they, right? By faith they. So this brings us to our, our, our next section. And again, we're going to spend a few minutes here as I, I think I'm doing okay on time. The Israel congregational focus is expanded, not replaced. So I got to stop here for just a second and, and level set. There is a great movement in Christianity. It's been around for a long time. It will continue until the Lord takes us out to try to take the blessings of Israel and apply them to the church. And they don't directly apply. Okay? Some of them can apply inspirationally. I've even done it this morning, right? How would I respond? I would be high-fiving and chest-bumping, right? So we can inspirationally kind of see how God can work in our lives through what's happened in the nation of Israel, right? The Passover, I've even referenced that, right? I can gain inspirational blessing from the events of and toward the nation of Israel. But I cannot doctrinally apply them to me. When Christ died, the body, the, so, so the, let, me, let me back up. Prior to Christ's death, the focus was on the nation of Israel. When the nation of Israel rejects Christ as their Messiah, meaning they don't accept him as the Messiah, and he is executed, he goes to the cross, that creates an opportunity for the Gentiles. Okay? Some people will say that God takes his focus off of the nation of Israel. I'm not totally sure I believe in, believe in that. I would call it a parenthetical that the church age, our ability to be saved is a parenthetical to God's story. He had been focused on the nation of Israel. For a period of time, he will allow an expansion of the 
quote, family, I'm not going to call it the nation, the family, to the Gentiles, to most of us. I don't know anybody in here that's Jewish by nature. I don't know everybody's history or their, their, their family lineage, and maybe you are Jewish, but... But he takes, he, he, for a period of time, because blindness has happened, according to the book of Romans, blindness has happened to the Jew, right? He allows the Gentile to be saved. It doesn't, we, the church does not supplant, does not replace God's focus on the nation of Israel. That is literally why there is a rapture of the church, and then God's focus, if you will, goes back solely to the nation of Israel. Okay, so I, there's there's a lot there. I know I, I've I've talked on it, but I needed to lay that ground. So sometimes we're of two minds when we read scripture, we read the Old Testament because we want to glean the inspirational application from the happenings of the of of the children of Israel and the Jews, but we can't apply them doctrinally. Okay, so this lesson in and of itself has that same limitation, right? The Passover is a very personal event. There's a congregational deliverance that can happen, but then a personal praise and a personal identification that has to happen. So I wanted to make sure I called out that I'm not in any way, shape, or form suggesting that our experience and our doctrinal relationship, our, our, our standing in our state with the Lord is taking over the nation of Israel. But... With that being said, look at Gen uh, Jeremiah 31. But this covenant, or but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. So, doctrinally, house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts mm -hmm. and write it on in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Okay? God deals with the nation of Israel very collectively very collectively okay that's how he does it even the blessings that he refers to the in the um, Abrahamic covenant with respect to those that will bless Abraham will be blessed and those that curse Abraham will be cursed okay or the nation of Israel right his seed so the nation of the United States will be judged blessed cursed based on how it deals with the nation of Israel okay that's a very tangible. That's a that's a it's something that we can we can identify with, but that is different than how he deals with us individually. And I can't tell you how many people say, "Well, you have to vote a certain way so that we remain a Christian nation." That's not that's not how it works. That's literally not how it works. And God can focus His attention on a group of people, and can deliver them. And we can take a inspirational gleaning from that, that the collective faith that needed to walk through the, the Red Sea was important. But notice what happens, and I just pulled out three verses. There's a plethora of verses in the New Testament that point to this. Look at this. Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So during this parenthetical post-crucifixion, uh, uh, post-resurrection of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the focus becomes very personal with us, okay? Can he still deal with nations? 
Absolutely, he can still judge nations, but it becomes very personal. Romans 12, 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So here we start to see this concept again that many people get confused because now, while my salvation is a very personal experience, my existence, my ministry is very much dependent upon you. I, and I know this is going to be a trite example, but if none of you showed up today, I probably wouldn't teach. I mean, I probably would sit. I, I don't know that I'd cry. I might cry. But... <laughs> I would probably sit in that chair, look over my notes, read, pray, and probably would have left early. Like, especially if my wife didn't even come. Right? So my ministry opportunity today to minister to you all through teaching and preaching of the word is contingent upon you being here. Amen. So, so literally, we do rely on each other. If the guys have a Bible study at Brandon's house and no one shows up but Brandon because it's his house, <laughs> it's not going to be a Bible study, really. I mean, can he get in the word? Yes. But we are reliant upon each other, okay? So this, this you can see a shift here, but it doesn't negate the first. The, the collective of the, the event in the Red Sea does not negate the individual nature of the Passover or the individual nature of the praise thereafter. That's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to communicate, and I feel honestly a little clunky in my spirit about it, because it's, there are times when it's very personal, and there are times when it's very collective. And what we see in Romans 12:5, many are, in, are one in uh, one body in Christ. But still, every one members one of another, right? But now in, verse, uh, in, in a very common, commonly referenced passage in 1 Corinthians 12, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. So literally, the, to use the Red Sea illustration, they got through in the order in which God wanted them to get through. Just Again, I'm just using that as an illustration. We are a body. And if for some reason somebody took my arm off and tried to attach it to my chest, it wouldn't work. Like, it wouldn't, that's not how it works, right? If I cut my finger off and try to stick it in my ear, it's, it's still, the finger's gonna die, right? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. There is a structure, right? And so, it's really important. It brings us to our, our, our last relationship. We only had two, two today. Our second relationship rule. While you're accountable for your own relationship with Christ, your presence in the body of Christ is truly irreplaceable. Now, that doesn't mean we can't function without you. Using the example, if you all didn't come, I probably wouldn't teach. But if Jisung had a ministry commitment, I know Tom and Kathy are, are in Branson. They were re reconnecting with, some, with some, some friends, I think guy from the military that he served with. Like we're still gonna function today. But Tom and Kathy are not replaceable. They might be replaceable in ministry, in a specific ministry, but individually you all are not replaceable. 
because of the premise that God has set the members, every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. I can't get a bone cell to do what a liver cell is supposed to do. The bone cell does what it does. And if I take a, a, a heart muscle cell and I try to put it in my quadriceps, it doesn't, which is a muscle, it doesn't work either. Right? It's, it's very, very specific. We have responsibilities and individually. So we're accountable for our own relationship in, with, in Christ, but our presence in the body of Christ is truly irreplaceable. So literally, as the children of Israel are walking through as a congregation, they're a congregation of individuals. And I know that's kind of a dichotomy. And you're like, well, you've been talking on both sides of the fence. But I don't know how else to describe it. They're individuals that were saved in the Passover, a collection that was delivered together, and individuals that chose to praise the Lord. So we'll close with this verse. Moreover, brother, I know there's a lot on here. It's on your, I think it's on your page. If not, you can, you can certainly reference it. I think the reference is at least. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud. So literally, this is what I referenced earlier. Water on each side, water above them in the form of a cloud. What's a cloud? Evaporated or, or not condensed water. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all did eat the same spiritual meat. And all did drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. So this interesting contrast of individual salvation or deliverance in the Passover. The congregational deliverance through the Red Sea. The individual praise points a direction, and God ends up not being pleased with all of them. And what happens to a good number of them in the wilderness? They die, and they never get to the promised land. Right. So our so this 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 lesson I would argue really supports our hypothesis for the whole series that no one lives unto ourselves, and none die to ourselves. That we are inextricably I don't know if that's the right word inextricably together we cannot be pulled apart and if you're not here and i don't just mean this class but if you're not where you're supposed to be with the lord then the body suffers and if somebody was left behind it's kind of like a like a like a good action you know movie right going through the going through the red sea like we're not going to leave any behind i don't know if you've ever seen the movie they were so they were soldiers we were sold we were soldiers we were soldiers but Mel, Mel Gibson's the, the, the leader of the, the military unit, and it's a Vietnam-based, and he said he would put his foot on the ground first, and he would take his foot off the ground last, and he would leave no one behind. And that's that same kind of concept that we've got here. The congregational deliverance, even though it's made up of a bunch of individuals, happens because it's a body.
that makes sense. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the day. We thank you for uh, the, the illustrations uh, through Scripture. And we thank you for the fact that there are some things that we're personally accountable for and some things that we are collectively accountable for. And, and so we'll do our part in the collective, um, but individually we will uh, follow you. And we will set our hearts and our minds to, to be attentive to what you have for us individually, knowing that you're a great conductor, you're a great orchestrator of all the different parts. And I thank you for each and every person that, that was uh, able to be here today or follow online and, and those that would listen otherwise. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the, the role they play in my life and helping me uh, get through the event together and, and helping me be in a position where I can worship you. We thank you for the, both the individual nature of our relationship and the collective nature of our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.